0: Welcome back to the Product Stories Podcast, hosted by Victor Peralnik. This podcast helps founders like yourself to find leaner ways to build successful SaaS products. Welcome back, everybody. Today's guest is Mark Colgan, founder of The Product Onboarders. He's audited dozens of onboarding flows of SaaS companies. And today, he will share with us the costliest mistakes people make in onboarding and how you can avoid them. Mark, welcome to the
1: show. Hey, Victor. So good to be here. And yeah, really looking forward to talking about all things product onboarding. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One of our favorite topics here, for sure, because uh, it's
0: so important anyway, right? Once you once you clo- want to close someone, onboarding is pretty much the most important thing you have to get right. How come you audit onboarding flows? What's your background, Mark?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. An in- interesting one. Um, so my background, well, the, the very high level is I started off in recruitment, moved into marketing, and then more into a sales and revenue role. But I've been specializing in B2B SaaS companies. And as I worked as a consultant, I would often work with companies. And I noticed that they just wanted net new, top of the funnel. They wanted more leads, more prospects, more conversations. And I refused to do that in the first few months of the working engagement with them, because I always wanted to look at what are they currently doing with what they are uh, with the leads that they have or the users that are signing up? Because if you have a leaky bucket, there's no point putting more water into the top of it. So that was always my approach with it. And then one of the patterns that I started to notice is that yes, the marketing can be great, the sales process can be fantastic, or if it's product-led, uh, the website looks really nice. Um, but then there was a huge sticking point when it came to user onboarding. And obviously, if your user onboarding is bad, then you're not going to have people sticking around and returning. Um, so I started to focus a lot of my time on just looking at the user onboarding and realized that there wasn't actually a service out there that offered any sort of third party objective feedback whilst knowing the best SaaS onboarding tactics and strategies as well. So you can go and find like user tests and use usertesting.com or similar websites. But what they'll pretty much do is just give, they'll, they'll have somebody looking at your product or your website, and they'll have a few answers to, to go and uh, to answer to, some questions to answer. Whereas what we do at the Product and Borders is we pretend that we are one of your least technical savvy users that are likely going to use your product. And we run through that uh, website, the sign-up flow, the first run experience, and the first, I guess, 10 minutes in the platform. And we do a video uh, so you can see our reactions when we're getting lost and confused and we're not sure what to do next. And I found that we just kind of hit a nerve with uh, product owners, founders, CEOs, as as well as product managers, and even growth marketers as well. And that it was a really, really valuable service. So we decided to kind of make it more consistent. And I partnered with Helen Peatfield, who's a a SaaS copywriter. So she brings a lot of value into the copywriting side of things, which is really important, not only for your website, but also in your microcopy throughout your product. And then I come there for more of the strategy of the onboarding flow.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome because you're right. I mean, having somebody who's totally new look at your SaaS product and to try to figure it out, really, I guess this unbiased view is so important because we as SaaS owners, we have... We have actually no idea what it is like for a new user to to go through the app the first time, right? All of it is is completely like we know what to do. And we never see these mistakes that we make because it's so clear to us. What have you seen are the most common mistakes people make with their onboarding?
1: Sure, yeah, there's, there's a few that I can run through today and I'll probably pick out the most common ones. But I just want to go back to the point uh, you made there, Victor, of that. As the founder, as the, as the developer who's, who's built the product, you, you've seen it day in, day out. You know exactly where to click. And even a simple thing like an icon rather than a full menu. So or you might have a, an icon of a home, um, but it doesn't have the word home next to it. Yes, most people will know that that means home, but then there's some really creative icons that might be used as part of the UX, which people have no idea. And it's quite hard to remove yourself from uh, from your own product and look at it objectively. But it's really, really important that you get the onboarding right because you put so much effort into customer acquisition. And obviously you put a lot of effort into developing the product. And this recent stats say that 40 to 60 percent of users who sign up for a free trial of a specifically of a B two B SaaS application will use it once and never come back. So it's really important that we don't overlook the importance of of your onboarding here. Uh, and really, this is where retention starts as well uh, on the onboarding process. So go back to your question of the uh, most common mistakes people make in their SaaS onboarding. And Victor, maybe. I'll go through these. Well, maybe
0: because since you've touched this this really interesting point, so before we actually go to the question that I initially asked, I think you've really hit a nerf here. But when you said we as owners, right, we don't always know. But I think it goes even deeper than that. Also, our UX designer, who has knowledge on UX and how to make things usable, but also designer obviously gets to know your application so good that they probably don't see everything that's happening, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And in fact, we actually spot quite a lot of bugs that people had never seen before because they're only looking or following the workflow that they're working on. Whereas we're a completely random person who's been let loose in a product and we're clicking around and we're jumping around in the product, just like a user would do, a curious user would do. Um, so there's oftentimes a lot of things that are discovered there. And, and to your point, a designer's job, they it might, I've seen some fantastically beautiful looking uh, SaaS products, but Really, the usability hasn't been thought through and specifically for the product onboarding uh, process as well so there's several people on your team that have worked very very hard and this isn't taking any credit away from the work that's been done to get it to this point but it's really important to have that third party, or even your mum, or your dad, or a relative—just somebody who's not involved in the in the build and the shipping of the code—to go through the product and, and see what how they get on. At that point, my mum and dad probably are, so that's they're yeah. <laughs> out of that <laughs> again. <laughs> awesome.
0: So let's go back to the mistakes.
1: Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> I'll try and keep it in an order of like the flow of a, of, of a user's journey. So. First of all, we're talking about the landing page or maybe the home page and pricing pages, not having enough social proof peppered throughout the rest of the site. Oftentimes you might see logos at the top and one testimonial at the bottom or a carousel of testimonials. It makes sense just to sprinkle them through the site because not everybody's going to get right down to the bottom. Uh, it's definitely important to have some social proof above the fold as well. When it comes to um, get started, your call to action, which is driving people to the sign-up page, if you do require a credit card, you should be upfront. If you don't require a credit card, also be upfront. And again, this is a classic example of you as the business owner knows that you don't need a credit card to sign up to the product, but a user who's brand new to the site won't know that. So over-communicate with the users and give these kind of risk reversal tactics to them so they actually click through and get to that sign-up flow. Moving on to the sign-up flow, uh, often see that uh, they put additional social proof there as well. Often the classic is kind of login screen on the left and and an image or some space on the right. Use that to reinforce the benefits of the product and and the social proof that you've collected. And when it comes to the sign-up flow, keep it as minimal as possible. If you do need additional information, do that later in the journey. The main point of this page is just to get somebody to convert into that first run experience. And moving into the first run experience, so um, not having a welcome screen, so this is just a message that comes up that welcomes the user into your product uh, and not using content which is human. <laughs> so I think we just think about it as an afterthought uh, to kind of keep the standard system text in there, but have somebody who's, I don't know, if, you, if, you're, if you're selling or if your product is geared to a particular geography, have somebody from that country or that geography go through that as well. Make sure that the the tweaks that... Are... I actually used a um, sales CRM, I was testing it out. The main reason I didn't proceed with it is because the English within the product just wasn't that good. And the reason why that was an issue for me is because uh, the tool was a CRM and it was going to allow me to use it as a meeting scheduler. And the title of the meeting, once it was booked, had incorrect grammar in it. And I don't want that going out uh, in in my name. And there was no option to change it. And I gave that feedback to the team. But yeah, you'll, you'll uh, you'll lose users like that, especially if the product's going to be customer facing or external facing. So not having that welcome screen is, is, is a big one. And then also not segmenting your users based on their jobs to be done. What are they trying to achieve? Many products offer, uh, can solve different problems. So making sure you understand like what is the reason that they're using the tool and what, do they, what they're hoping to achieve is, is really important. And that way you can segment your user onboarding through the different flows based on the outcome that they're hoping to achieve. I think if it's uh, another very common one, especially if your product is like, let's say like a hot jar or something that requires some JavaScript to be installed on a website. So if it's my website and I've got access to my WordPress or or Webflow, I can just go in and put that uh, JavaScript in. If you're selling to much larger companies, they're not going to be able to have access to the website. They'll often have to go to an IT department or the marketing department. So if you don't show demo data, if you don't show what the product could look like when somebody is in there for the first time, whilst they're waiting for their IT team to install the code, then you've missed a huge opportunity. And that person has to be very, very motivated to push and continue to see what the product looks like once they get that uh, JavaScript installed. And I'm just using that as an example, Victor. So show them what their world could be like with demo data so that they can get start to feel what the product is like, start to understand how to use it and to navigate their products too. I think oftentimes that you have a product tour, it shows up once and then it disappears. Um, So how do we give people access back to the product tour or to additional learning where they can read uh, and and find out more, watch videos? And oftentimes, once you go for that initial first run experience, it might be setting up an account or connecting an email domain sort of thing, but then your product has six or seven other modules in it. What is the next step that the user needs to take? And oftentimes, a lot of people do the welcome the welcome screen, they do the quick first run tour, uh, but then users are uh, left to their own devices to try and work out the rest of the product and I think that's pretty much a, a good summary of the of the core mistakes I keep seeing time and time again and, and Victor I've reviewed over sixty of these user onboarding uh, processes now, so that's from quite a lot of data
0: Wow, that's very helpful. This is from how many how many over sixty you said uh, that you've reviewed of, of these tours that you've made so you guys have really Ever really seen at all? Are these mostly B two B apps or B two C apps that you audited?
1: Yeah, so most of them are B two B, and pretty much all of them, in fact, are business to um, business. That's just because that's where Helen and my expertise lied. So we tend to focus on that, and it's what we know more than anything. Um, so yeah, um, the majority of these are B two B. Awesome. So
0: that's a lot of B two B knowledge there. Love it. Um, one other thing that I found really interesting uh, from from this from your experience acting to be the least technical user what did you find more helpful videos or tool tips or sort of wizards wizards where you can create things what did you find more helpful as a user who's tried so many SaaS apps
1: So again, I put, we put ourselves in the shoes of a, of a very non-technical person using the product. So it really does depend on what you're trying to achieve here. For example, a video is great, but not if it's a 13 minute video. We like the fact that we do like to see videos there, which walk people through the product, but perhaps you combine that with using live chat and uh, live chat automation, which opens up based on the screen that the person's on, or you have it in the help docs. Um, because because you have different levels of uh, I guess competency when it comes to using a product, some people won't want to use won't won't want to watch the video. So always give people the ch- the opportunity to close the modal of the video if it's in a modal. Same with the tours and 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 tooltips as well. They can be effective, but it really does come down to the technicality of what you're trying to get people to actually do and and to set up.
0: What creative solutions have you seen for? Empty states, or for minimizing switching costs and, and integrating with with other solutions.
1: Yeah, so from an empty states point of view, uh, they're a fantastic opportunity to educate the user and prompt them to action, and it's a really good opportunity to create a good experience for a user as well, and maybe even add in some humor or personality into the empty states as well. You also don't want to make people feel bad that their the state is empty that they haven't done something yet. So yeah, using humor, keep it quite minimal. There's plenty of examples on, online if you were to search for, uh, you know, uh, empty states best practice. But the key there is to prompt that person and help guide them to take that next appropriate action, which might be to upload a photo. It might be to connect a bank account. It might be to send their first email. But you want to make sure that you're making that as easy as as simple as possible in those empty states. So how do you guys exactly
0: help people? So you record a video that they can watch. Is there anything else that comes with it?
1: Yeah, so at the moment, uh, the, the main service offering is that we record a 15 to 20, sometimes 25 minute video, where we go through a few of your pages on your website, typically the home pricing, sometimes we get into the features. We've really learned over the years that people are really interested in the user onboarding, so we don't spend too much time on the website. So we do the website, we go through the sign up process, then we go through the first run experience, and then we have a play around with the product. So after we've completed that kind of first, uh, the first thing that we were supposed to do with the user onboarding, we're asking ourselves and we're talking out loud, would we come back? Would we use this again? Just before we finish the video, we open up our emails to have a look at the, if there's any onboarding emails that have come through. Typically we're looking for a welcome email and usually a behavioral-based email based on something that we've achieved on the inside of the, of the product. And then we record, that video is recorded and sent over to um, to the, the customer who's requested it. And there is an opportunity for them to book an additional call with us where we can go through that in more detail at an additional cost. But all of these reviews are done uh, for $129. Wow,
0: that's awesome. Cool. So where do we find out
1: more about you and the product onboarders? Where can we get started? Sure. So I've actually put together a checklist, which is pretty much the questions that Helen and I go through when we're looking at the product onboarding. There's over 80 items on that checklist and they can, anybody can access that. There's no need to put your email in to download it. So you can go to www.theproductonboarders.com forward slash checklist. Uh, so that will give you access to all those 80 questions that we ask. And if you'd like to connect with me LinkedIn's LinkedIn is probably the best place. And you can find me at Mark Colgan, that's C-O-L-G-A-N.
0: Awesome, perfect. Thank you so much. This has been really insightful. Thanks for sharing your insights into the SaaS or onboarding processes of dozens and dozens and dozens of SaaS companies. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Cheers, Victor. It's been great. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks. This show is brought to you by Trustshoring, your friendly concierge to find reliable and tested software developers from Eastern Europe. We recruit full-time developers match you to an experienced software house that's ideal for your requirements, or recommend a reliable freelancer for smaller projects. But most importantly, you benefit from our experience of developing software remotely for almost 10 years. We give you one-on-one guidance all the way so you're never lost. Stop the tedious hiring or vetting process and get matched to reliable talent. Sign up for a free consulting call with one of our experts today. Go to TrustShoring.com.